Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast, the podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally, reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And when you do rate it, don't be afraid to give a five-star review and let me know what you're thinking. This week, I want to jump into all of the stuff related to Her Majesty the Queen, especially since Her Majesty Oprah Winfrey um, did an interview with Meghan and Harry. So, I mean, I know they lost their titles, but I guess we can, we're on a first name basis, I think. So Meghan and Harry it is. Anyway, um, I want to preface by saying I am not a uh, an expert in British history. I'm not an expert in the the goings-on of the royal family or anything like that, but I am an expert in HR. I'm sure that I'm not the only one that was so taken aback by learning that the queen had an HR department. I don't know why I never thought that the queen, who runs one of the biggest industries, businesses, like firms, I guess we can call it institutions. We know that those words are thrown around a lot based on the interview with Oprah, but I didn't ever think, oh, the queen has an HR person or an HR team. So now that I know that, you know, the the can of worms has been opened. So I want to talk about this situation in a couple different um, frameworks. So the first is we don't have all of the facts, right? Like as outsiders, we will never have all of the facts. Um, and so as outsiders who don't have all of the information, we have to acknowledge that this whole conversation is going to be based on what we do know, not necessarily all of the facts, because what we do know might not actually be the facts. It's the facts based on what's been shared with us. So here's what we do know. We know that Megan went to the HR department as saying, I need help. So breaking that down, I need help is either based on her mental health and mental well-being. And we know, you know, we know that there were really concerning situations that Megan had experienced. And as an individual, she shared that she had thoughts of suicide and things like that. And I, I made sure to add a trigger warning at this part of the podcast. So, you know, we won't really be digging into that, but we know that there's some severity there with the mental health issues or, you know, concerns. So, the I need help reference with the HR department could be one of two things. It could either be I need help and I need time off because, you know, I'm unwell. And so normally that would lead to some kind of leave of absence or, you know, question around benefits and, you know, things like that. Or it would be I need help because I'm being harassed, retaliated against, et cetera. So it's a bit unclear to me whether she went to the HR department saying I need help because of my mental health, or I need help because I'm being harassed and therefore it's impacting my mental health. It seemed like it was the latter to me, but I don't want to assume. So let's take those two separate situations. Let's say it's, I need help because of my mental health. In a normal business organization, the HR person would say, okay, 
let's talk about all of the resources that you have. You have the employee assistance program. Most businesses have that EAP. Um, you have an option to take a leave of absence. In most instances, at least in the U.S. and Canada, there are opportunities to be placed on personal, medical, um, long, short-term leaves of absences. It really depends on the situation and that is way too much context to go into. We can talk about that at a separate time. There are lots and lots of opportunities for leave of absence. In the UK, I'm not as familiar, but I would imagine that there's still an opportunity to take time off, whether it's for paid time off or whether it's through leave of absence, um, either medical or otherwise. Let's Let's say that it was that and, you know, she had an opportunity to take time off. I say this because actually she is considered an employee or a member as part of the institution. And I know that there are some discrepancies in, in whether she was a paid employee or not, but I think it's fair to say that if she was able to go to the HR department, she is a function of the institution. And so she most likely has access to the same benefits as, let's say, a chef. I think that there's that one opportunity. Was there an opportunity for her to take a leave of absence, to take time off? What did that look like? Now, transitioning out of that and going to the other side of things that I need help because I'm being harassed. Now that is like red flag, immediate, like, you know, we need to pay attention to this for an HR person. And in that moment, the HR person needed to launch an investigation. Now, again, we don't know if there was an investigation launched at the time that Meghan Markle said, I need help because of X, Y, and Z, or if she said, I need help, I'm being harassed. Um, and we know that the harassment most most likely seems to be coming from the press and the media. And we also know that there is this um, invisible contract, as it's described, between the royal family and the press. So as an HR person, the next thing would be, okay, is the press a representative of the royal family? Are, do Is there the same kind of like employment consideration for the press as there is for an employee in the royal family or in the royal institution? We'll call it the institution. If the press is considered similar to a vendor, let's say. So if you're, you know, again, coming into the business context, you have direct employees and you have vendors. So if the press is a vendor, there's still an opportunity for, or an obligation for the HR department to investigate and ensure that the harassment is, is investigated and if substantiated, that it's put to us to an end. Another thing that I'd say is that the HR department Regardless of whether they're paid by the queen or not, their function is to ensure that their employment practices are compliant, right? If, if nothing else, compliance is key. And so in that moment, you have an employee, a member of the team who is saying there's an issue here. I don't know what the HR team did, but for sure they are obligated to investigate. So Moving from there, let's say that they did investigate and they treated the press or the harasser, the alleged harasser, as um, a vendor. In a normal business context, the vendor would no longer be able to interact or work with that person or individuals. In some cases, the um, HR department would report the, the vendor and their manager, their HR department, handles it from there. But no longer are they then allowed to... Um, be in that business or on the premise, whatever, whatever that looks like. 
if the HR department didn't investigate the press as a vendor, then I think that the HR department didn't do the right thing. Um, it's hard to say what happened or what didn't happen because we don't have all the facts. Now, if I could go to the HR department and go in there, get all the facts, audit, understand everything, I'd have a much better idea of what happened. But for sure, if we're considering that the royal family is operating like a business, as a business, and is a business, then the press, I think, would be a vendor, especially understanding that there's this invisible contract, right? And that we know that the press, and this is another fact, we know that the institution um, and the press are very closely connected, and it makes sense, right? Because the the whole premise of the monarchy is to continue the monarchy. And who can help you do that? The media. Those are the fundamentals. That's the foundation of, of where the press and the royal family really come together. So let's cover who we know as being involved. And I say this because in every investigation as an HR person, you always have to determine who do I need to speak with, who is involved, um, and do, are there witnesses, for example. So we, we with investigations, you never want to include too many people. You always want to bring in only the most necessary individuals because otherwise you're going to implicate the person that you need to really focus on the confidentiality of. Now, in this case, I don't know that the HR department is required to maintain confidentiality when it comes to the royal family, because maybe there's a difference between, you know, the employees in the institution and the employees that are part of the royal family. I don't know. Let's say that they're all kind of one in the same and that we, you know, maintain some veil of confidentiality out of respect for the person reporting the claim. That is typical industry standard stuff, right? So we have Meghan and Harry, who we know for sure are involved. The queen who is involved because she is the queen. Um, and probably Prince Charles. And I say Prince Charles because not only is there an element of personal relationship there as the father slash father-in-law, but also because he is directly in line for the throne as the successor to the queen. And we know that the press is involved. So the press is a huge entity. There are so many people um, involved in these issues, right? Um, and so we know based on what we've, we can read from, you know, articles and headlines that the press absolutely took a different stance um, with Megan than they did with anyone else in the royal family. Now, the press, they potentially aren't held to those standards of harassment and discrimination policies because they're, you know, they are allowed to write what they want to write and say what they want to say. In essence, I say this very loosely, of course, but I wonder if with this invisible contract, there's an expectation that the press acts a certain way. And if so, then as the HR person doing an investigation, I would want to understand if the press violated any of those policies or agreements. So as an HR department, whoever is leading the investigation here, they would need to take these people involved and really do a thorough investigation. And that means understanding, like, how did this happen? How was this person harassed? Where is this claim coming from? Is it substantiated, right? Bottom line, that's what an investigation seeks to determine if the claim is substantiated. Considering we don't have all of the facts, 
um, and we have kind of piecemeal and we see what the press has put out there and we see or have heard what Megan and Harry have shared. And we know that the institution has said that there are some misaligned facts based on the interview. We know that there's clearly an issue. If I were the Queen's head of HR, I would do my due diligence in making sure I understand, is the claim substantiated? In addition to that, so if we go back to this idea of Megan potentially saying, I need help, I need time off, now that shouldn't cause a huge concern, right? In a normal business context, someone needing time off from a, especially a high pressure, high visibility role, whether it's PTO or not, sometimes people just say, I I need to take time off. I need some help. Like that's a normal thing to say, especially if you are closely connected to the people that you work for or work with. Assuming that Megan said, I need time off for my well-being to the HR department, I would expect that the HR department shares all of the benefits with Megan and gives the opportunity for time off. Now, we also know that time off was taken, vacation was taken, right? Like throughout the the last couple of years, like everyone has these receipts of travel and all of that. Like the media has shared with us when Megan and Harry have traveled. But that doesn't mean that she's not eligible for a leave of absence. So I definitely wonder if there's an opportunity again for the HR department to have said, hey, we're going to give you your passport. We're going to give you everything you need. How much time do you need based on all of the, you know, appropriate timeframes that are allowed by law? And maybe there are other um, opportunities because of the benefits that the institution offer their employees. But those things definitely are uh, what the HR department should be sharing with any employee who says, I need time off. And it's beyond the scope of vacation. So Again, I mean, I don't have a lot of facts on that, but I I would hope that the HR department is doing the right thing and doing their job because I'm sure that there's a, a difference in being the head of HR or an HR advisor or whatever for the queen, but... From an ethical and uh, integrity standpoint, you are still required to support the employees that you represent. And so if they didn't do that, shame on them. We also know from a press release, I think it was um, from the beginning of March when the interview was announced, that there are members of the staff, not the royal family, members of the staff that accused uh, Meghan Markle of basically hostile environment and harassment, things like that. Again, we don't have a lot of facts. That also came out after the um, interview was filmed, I'm sure. It seems that way. Um, And now we have this publicly made claim. And I don't know that that's with such consideration either of the reporting parties. So in the scope of keeping the employee uh, who is the reporting party or the reporting parties from being retaliated against, you really should be focused on the confidentiality and just doing an investigation internally to understand if the claim is substantiated. Sharing that with the global stage, I don't know that that does that because actually in the event that Megan did harass or create a hostile work environment for people, 
there's now an opportunity for those people to be retaliated against. And so I question the, the intention of, um, sharing that knowledge publicly. And I get it while it is a business, the Royal, the Royal institution is a business and it's a firm. I get that, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that that was the right approach. And you know, the, the business context is different. I don't know. Maybe you can answer in the comments or DM me if a major business. So let's say Google has a a top leader, um, who has since exited their ranks, right? Like, let's say they are no longer employed. So in this case, Megan, she's without her title. She's not even in England anymore. If Google has that same kind of complaint, are they going to publicly share that there are employees who have made these claims? Maybe. I mean, we've definitely seen this before. Like Governor Cuomo right now has claims against him for um, inappropriate and harassing behavior. So that's made public. But I don't know, maybe it feels icky to me because I think it's it feels a little bit retaliatory toward the the interview. Um, but I know that these larger organizations definitely are more communicative with their, you know, wide reaching audience and, and they're more public about their statements, but I still don't know that that's the right way to go. You run the risk of the reporting parties being too afraid to report things and that the open door policy then is devalued a little bit because for example, if I needed to report someone and I knew that because the, the leader was, you know, C-suite or, you know, top leader, senior leader, um, in the organization, again, we can totally relate this to the Royal family. Am I going to feel comfortable sharing that information? If I know that it's going to be made somewhat public, probably not. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, Still, the HR department is now, you know, the the queen released the statement that the HR department is going to be investigating those claims. Should we then have received a public announcement that Meghan Markle reported that she needed help and was opening, you know, opening or submitting a claim and that the HR department was going to be investigating? I don't know. Seems like a little bit of an inconsistent approach to me. Now, listen, I love the queen. Just the concept of like, you know, you're the queen of England, like the, the longest serving reigning monarch. And you know exactly who your ancestors are. Like, I think that's so interesting. You know, it's like, you don't have to do a 23andMe DNA search. Like you just, you know, exactly where you come from, you know, exactly who led before you. And I just find that really fascinating. Um, and I think from a cultural standpoint, although I'm American and I can't necessarily speak to what it's like being in England or, or, um, being British and, and having, um, having a queen as a leader, but I don't know, maybe there's like a cultural element there. Um, and I'm sure that the Royal family drives a certain amount of revenue to, to, um, England at some level because people want to go to Buckingham palace and, and, you know, get that whole experience. I know I did when I traveled to London, few years ago. So I have a lot of respect for the queen. I think heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? I mean, I'm also obsessed with the crown, Um, but it doesn't seem, I should say, it doesn't seem that the queen or the eventual king is the one responsible for figuring out these issues. I think that's probably why they've institutionalized and they have an HR department and they have people who handle this because they need to remove the element of family and business. Like we think about a family 
run business. It's very, very challenging to incorporate or mix business and family. Um, and so I'm sure that that, that uh, differentiation was made in order to keep things as simple as possible because there are emotions involved with families and businesses can't run fully on emotions in the sense that, you know, if you have a family, you need to be able to separate in order to run an effective business. Again, generalizing here, I'm not telling you to check your emotions at the door. You all know how I feel at this point about bringing our true selves to work, but related to this concept of royal family equals business, I would imagine that that is to remove the, the, um, family issues or the family uh, underpinnings and foundational elements there to allow for the monarchy to run more effectively, especially when we think again that the monarchy's goal is to remain a monarchy. Like they don't want to go anywhere, right? Like that's uh, what does, what does a, a dethroned monarch do, right? Like, I mean, I can't even imagine that doesn't mean it won't happen, but you know, the, the ultimate goal and mission is to maintain the monarchy and that is not coming ahead of the people that they, you know, that they lead or that they represent, but it's certainly, you know, it makes a lot of sense, right? Like does a startup ever dream of closing, closing its doors or, you know, never becoming profitable? No, I kind of see why the, the business context is there. I, I am really interested in hearing other people's perspectives on this. Um, for sure, if I was the queen's head of HR, I would be doing things a little bit differently. It doesn't mean that the HR department hasn't done the right thing, but on the outside looking in, it looks inconsistent. It definitely looks like if this were another business, that there would be, you know, some lawsuit for retaliation or things like that. Because what we do know is that there, Megan has shared that she went to the HR department. Now, again, that's assuming that she did. And if she did, the HR department is handling things inconsistently compared to how they're handling employee complaints against Meghan Markle. So we only know what we know. And I certainly hope I don't annoy anyone or anger anyone in speaking based on the facts that we have, because there is no way for me today to go to the queen and say, Hey, tell me everything that happened. Um, because it's just, you know, she doesn't know I exist. So <laughs> there's no possibility for that, but I think it's interesting. I think really the, the most interesting thing for me here is that there is an HR department. And I said on my Instagram stories, like they hire because that's kind of cool. Um, not that I'm looking to go anywhere, but I mean, that's cool, right? Like imagine being the head of HR for the Royal family, the institution. I don't know. Pretty cool. Actually, one of the things that I'll share is that in doing this research, I was able to see that the Royal family has their own like careers page. I'm looking at it right now. They have rewards and benefits. So they talk about all of the benefits they have pay. Um, like they have sections, pay holiday. They have a pension, complimentary lunch, accommodations. Um, so if you have to be on site, oh, so maybe they have like some New York employees. I don't know. If the Queen of England is listening to this, I'm willing to start a conversation. Um, really cool. They have training and development. They have car leasing opportunities, employee discounts. Days out, all employees receive complimentary admission tickets across all our locations to share with family and friends. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Okay. I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm not going to England 
but that's really cool. So this is what I'm saying, right? Like there's, oh, lifestyle and flexible working options. So you can work part-time, compressed hours, working remotely. They have some very comprehensive um, benefits, even for your well-being. So this is what I would imagine the, uh, that Megan needed to be really, you know, offered. Uh, oh, apparently they've been awarded the Investors in People Good Practice Award for Health and Wellbeing. This is very, very interesting. And I'm sure that there are leave of absence opportunities because that is just a, a normal circumstance. Again, I don't have all the information based on um, compliance in England, but you know, I'm sure that if an, if they're offering these comprehensive maternity paternity leaves, that they also have other leaves of absence options. They also have social activities. They have a book club, choir, film society, sports team, social events. I mean, we're talking about a full fledged business here, people. Like when I click on the Working for Us tab, they even have their DEI initiatives, and I know that obviously there is a huge, huge moment around the the racial implications. And and again, another uh, investigation that the HR department would really need to look into, which is, you know, a violation of their anti-harassment and discrimination policy potentially, which is that someone was clearly acting um, racially derogatory, again, assuming that this is a fact. Now, it's very hard to determine what is, what happened sometimes when two people have different stories, but that's where witnesses come into play and all of these people involved would be really critical to substantiating um, those claims. So, Really interesting stuff here. Um, if you're interested in working for the Queen or the um, for the royal family, if you're interested, um, just go to royal.uk and you'll get all the information that you need. They're also on LinkedIn. I mean, we are, we're talking about a business here, people. This is a business. So for sure, I think that there is a real opportunity for whoever is in the HR department to really think about are we acting consistently, fairly? Are we upholding our policies? If they are, that's great. Happy for them. That's a, that's a great thing. They're doing the right thing. If not, then there's some restructuring that needs to happen and they need to, you know, change up their approach to be consistent and fair and to really hold firm and hold all employees accountable to their anti-harassment and discrimination policies, which every single person, every single company has without a doubt doesn't matter where they are with that i would love to hear your thoughts are you as intrigued as i am i hope anyway if you have thoughts please share your comments let me know um, in the comments below if you're not watching on youtube then dm me let me know what you think and again i mean i'm not an expert in anything um with you know employment practices or compliance in europe however I, I am definitely um, feeling very confident that there's something wonky going on and there's definitely a need to be um, scrupulous and, and consistent and fair and to really understand what happened here. We can um, definitely take this as a practice to say, okay, here's what we know. How would I operate as the head of HR for the queen, for the royal household? What would I do differently, if anything? I wish I had more facts and information but I don't. And so based on the facts and information that I do have, it does seem like there's a bit of an inconsistency or at least a need to launch a full investigation from Megan's claims and her perspective from the employees who are now accusing Megan of harassment 
all of the above. I mean, there's clearly an investigation that needs to happen. And I would love to know if they do investigate the royal family. Like, are they exempt? I would hope not, because that defeats the purpose of an open door policy and the confidential hotline and everything. So I don't know. I'm sure it's very difficult to be an HR professional in the royal uh, household for the royal family in the institution. And again, let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Give this video a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Give this uh, podcast five stars if you're listening to the podcast version. And I will see you next week. Take care.